tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 44. Well, I hope you're having a wonderful fall. I really love this time of year, but it can kind of be a little sad as well. The leaves start to fall, the abundance of summer has been gathered, and soon, at least here in Montana, there may be snow on the ground. Seasons come and seasons go in nature as well as in life. Perhaps you're going through a chilly time in your marriage. Everything feels dead and lifeless. In today's episode, Laura, Casey, and I share about our own marriage struggles and how God brought healing and new life to relationships that felt cold and dead and even perhaps beyond repair. And I really believe God wants to do the same thing for you, my friend, no matter the condition of your marriage. He wants to bring new life and new love. Oh, you guys, I have been waiting for this moment for many, many months. I am so excited to have my friend, Laura Casey, back in the living room with us to talk about something that we just kind of touched briefly on in episode six, where Laura talked about cultivating what matters. And she said something, just briefly mentioned how God had touched her marriage and healed it. And I thought, ooh, I have got to have her back. (laughs) You're with Laura from her um, popular power sheet planning system. We're going to talk a little bit briefly about that at the end of this episode. But Laura, you're so much more... Oh my goodness, you're rich, my friend, and I am so glad to have you back in the living room. Welcome. Mm, Thank you. I am so grateful to be here. Uh, Well, tell, you know, a lot of people might be new to the podcast and not be familiar. Can you tell a little bit of your story? Yes, absolutely. So um, I I have a degree in music and theater, and uh, I do not use a whole lot of that in my current job now, uh, although I do use my voice quite a bit um, as the CEO of Cultivate What Matters. And it is just, as I'm sure you probably feel too, Joanna, and you look back at your story, it is amazing to look back at the twists and turns and how God made them into one cohesive whole. It's like looking at separate pieces of a quilt and nothing really looks like it's coming together until you lay those pieces out together. And suddenly it makes this amazing masterpiece that in this case really points to his mastery. Um, so in a nutshell, my story is that um, I went through a very rocky relationship. And uh, also during that time went through a hurricane that hit my family's house in Florida. And that landed me um, uh, moving from New York City, where I was working at the time, back to Florida to help my parents who were going through that hurricane. Um, my rocky relationship ended, and I, uh, in training people at the gym, I was a personal trainer, I met a tall, dark, handsome Navy gent, <laughs> who then later became my husband. Um, and we have been married 14 years uh, this year. And uh, the first several years of our marriage, though, were just, there's no words really, um, completely dark. And we were two ships passing in the night. Um, And a lot of it stemmed, most of it stemmed from the fact that he is Jewish and I grew up Christian, although definitely not in a household that um, truly followed Jesus. I think we were people who said that we celebrated Christmas and Easter and that was about it. There was very little heart connected to it. So the two opposing forces of a very strict Jewish upbringing and a not so strong Christian upbringing in a brand new marriage uh, created a lot of friction as we both tried to, first of all, find our identities ourselves in a young stage of life, but then also find our relationship, find um, synergies and harmonies in our new marriage. And it just continued to spiral and spiraled all the way through the time that um, he was then deployed with the Marines to Iraq and came back and we had great hopes for our relationship growing, but it just kept getting worse. Um, Long story short, we moved from California, which is where he was stationed at the time, to where we are now, which is in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, for him to begin 
uh, his residency at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And um, our marriage continued to be shaky. And in that time, he escaped to his work in his new residency. And I escaped to my work. Um, it's a longer story than I have time to tell to tell you about my career story. But um, I found myself then in publishing and starting a brand new wedding magazine. And so I had this brand new wedding magazine. He had a brand new job. And we just escaped to those things. Um, and that provides temporary, I can't even call it fulfillment, because now I know what real fulfillment is. But I thought in my mind that I had found temporary fulfillment because I had found a job I loved and a job that was growing. And um, I felt a sense of security in that. And of course, those things don't really last to give you true security. Um, And we came to a point in our marriage finally where we both looked at each other and we said, after all we've been through, after all this heartache, years, years of painful fights and heartache, we're clearly not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, uh, neither one of us has left and neither one of us wants to, even though this is so painful every day. Um, so what are we going to do about it? Uh, we need to do something different, something to step in each other's direction. And so we both decided, okay, Uh, we're each going to take a step forward in each other's direction. What would that be? So for me at the time, at this desperate point in our marriage, I had um, stumbled upon a local church and walked in those doors with a broken heart and a broken marriage and hoped that I would find some sort of peace, some sort of glimmer of real hope. And I had a lot of people that took me under their wings in that time. So I had this fledgling faith that was growing. And the one thing I wanted him to do to step in my direction was the thing I knew would be the most difficult, but I just had this feeling that it would be the thing that would tie us together. And that was to come to church with me. (laughs) Yeah. Even just once, just to walk in the building. Um, And the thing he wanted me to do was to spend more time with his friends because he had a great group of friends. So we both agreed. And again, long story short, he started to come to church with me. And that sounds very simple. It was not. Uh, Yeah, I bet. For him, growing up Jewish uh, in a culture and community that just never talked about Jesus, never talked about it. It was just a lot. There's a lot there that uh, now that we've been married for so long and now that we truly understand each other, I see why they never did. And I see why. There was so much hesitation and fear, um, but he came with me and the arguments continued. <laughs> it sparked more after he would come every time he came, which was not too often, but every month or so he'd come with me. Yet, and this is where the big yet comes in, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yet, when he walked into that building, he saw people hugging each other talking about life. Our church is very racially, ethnically, socioeconomically diverse. And he saw people of all walks of life loving each other, like really Mm -hmm. genuinely in each other's lives and serving each other. And you can't really mistake that. Like when you see it in the flesh, it's hard to not believe that there is something causing that. It doesn't just happen naturally, right? Yeah. So fast forward a year into him coming to church, us continuing to argue, he decided to do the thing that his parents and his family never wanted people to do. And that is to look at the New Testament. And uh, as he even began reading it, he realized how Jewish it was. (laughs) Right. Right. Which clearly Jesus was a Jew and there were so many references in there that made him feel actually quite at home. Hmm. Um, and he did read through the New Testament and, and I'm summarizing in such a short way. There were so many other relationships and nuances that led to this and conversations between us that led to this. And um, for our marriage, so many times I felt the Lord clearly saying to me, Next time you have an argument, as he is, you know, raising his voice or getting mad or whatever it might be, just pray to me and I will help you. I will give you the words. And nine times out of 10, when I did that, 
it, it was just amazing. God is so good to provide, even in the midst of heightened situations. And I would hear him say to me, just tell him you love him. And mm-hmm. so I would, we'd have an argument and I'd look at him and I'd say, I love you. And he'd get so mad. <laughs> <laughs> he'd get so mad. He'd be like, you can't say that in an argument. And I was like, well, I do. And after several dozen I love yous and exchanges like that and prayers offered, I think he started to wonder where my hope was coming from and where that was coming from at all. And again, it's like so cheap to summarize it, but um, to put words to the Holy Spirit is just uh, its impossible to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I will try my best. And that is that this matrix of relationships and exposure to the scripture, like God's word never returns void. And um, his own, uh, he's a, a physician and is very scientifically minded, his own deep dive into um Jesus as Messiah led him to believe. Mm-hmm. And I just, I like Joanna, I can't even say those words without getting teary eyed. I still yeah. to this day, I am like, Lord, nothing is impossible for you because truly my husband is the last person. He told me he didn't believe in God, like didn't, none of it. I, and in fact, one day he said to me, Laura, I will never believe in Jesus, period. Wow. Um, and again, yet, but. God can do impossible things. And in all of that, he not only brought RA to faith, but he, over time, it was not overnight. I don't ever want people to think these things can happen overnight, even though God is amazing. He can do things like that. But for us, um, it took several years and wise counsel and being around other couples to heal the pain in our marriage, even Mm -hmm. coming up to that point of having a shared faith now. There was infidelity in our marriage and Um, so many words that just really stuck. And it was a constant dying to ourselves process. And um, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, uh, that will always bring you back to, hey, you know what? You have been forgiven of so much. I think you can forgive that other person. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure I've thought that a thousand times in my life as it relates to my marriage. And I'm sure Ari has too. Yeah. So that is, in a nutshell, where we are now. <laughs> and wow. of course, we now have three children, um, which is also a miracle in itself. Our um, first daughter, Grace, she is eight and a half, and we named her for the gift we'd been given in that season. And it was right around the time that she was born that Ari started to read the Bible. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Wow. What a beautiful testimony. I love that. I love that. I keep thinking of uh, some women out there listening whose husbands are unbelievers. And, you know, I, we have a couple of ladies in our church and that I've seen over the years in ministry that are, God just gives them a grace mm-hmm. to love their husbands as they are. They would love to have them next to them in service. And yet I've watched them just love these men. And just actually in a a couple of years ago, one of the men did come to the Lord at the end of his life. But what Mm. would you say to that girl who's like, yeah, that's nice for you, Laura, your Mm -hmm. husband came around, but my husband, I'm still in the middle of it. What do I do with that? I'm still struggling to love him. Yeah. Well, I would say that it took eight years for my husband to come around. And so I don't know how many decades it may be for um, anyone listening or multiple decades in a row that you've been waiting. Um, And it is certainly not a guarantee that everyone will come to faith. And I had to face that hard fact that, you know what, he may never, ever, not only not believe in, in Jesus, but he may never even be okay with me believing in Jesus. I mean, even having a Bible in our house was so taboo and so uh, filled with fury every time it was around. And I really had a private faith for most of my, uh, the first part of our marriage. So I would say that number one, to believe in God's power, even when it's painful. And for me, through so many years, it was painful because you're right. I saw marriages around me. And I was like, man, must be nice for you that you get to pray together every night. And and God really used that to pull out comparison and envy and 
um, just sin in my heart about that. And it's not to say that it's not understandable. It certainly is. And I believe the Lord has compassion for that because a desire to have a believing husband is a beautiful thing. Um, but the other thing I would say is, and this is definitely something that I practiced out of pure necessity, is do not let anyone's faith or lack of faith, maybe you do have a believing husband, but he's not really into reading his Bible every day, or there's there's just a barrier there, it doesn't even matter, um, is don't let someone else's faith hold you back from having faith mm. and hold you back from a flourishing faith and I do believe that scripture tells us to tread carefully with that as not to offend others. Um, But the Lord is with you always, whether you say it out loud or have scripture prints on your walls or an open Bible anywhere. Um, I would read the Bible in my car. I would listen to Christian music alone in my car. I would go to church by myself. I went to a marriage class at church by myself. So, (sighs) Wow. Lots of encouragement, but I, I think the thing that perhaps did open Ari's eyes to faith is my faith. Yes. And not out of a way to prove to him that life is perfect when you're a believer, right? right? Not as a way to lure him in in any way, but as a way for him to really see that actually I'm not going to wait for you to change because I can't control you. Um, I am going to work on me. And if you notice that, all the better. Mm. That is so good. That is so good because I think I think that we can get so fixated on what they are or what they're not and we can yeah. get we can almost attach our joy and our happiness to their behavior and to be able to say, yeah. you know what? I'm going to love you. I'm going to mm-hmm. love you no matter what. And mm-hmm. well, it's kind of interesting because I think we have this idea that if we had the perfect marriage, then we would have no issues. But, you know, my story, my story, like literally, Laura, Laura, literally, my marriage was made in heaven. I'm not even kidding. God gave me my one and only vision and told me that I was going to marry John Weaver. And John Weaver (laughs) loved Jesus with his whole heart. And we went into marriage. He was raised in a godly home, a preacher's home. He loved Jesus passionately. I was raised in a Christian home. I love Jesus passionately. And I just assumed, oh my goodness, it's going to be perfect. (laughs) And yet here we were. And I think sometimes we really, really don't get it that we are two different people. And, and so I went through time. I, I like to say we've been married 38 years and 30 of them very happily. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, I get that. I yeah. That. But for the first eight years, I was so disappointed. I had, I, I was just so frustrated that John wasn't what I felt like he needed to be. And, and some of it was mm. legitimate. I mean, he was a great guy. I mean, he really is. Like I, he was a believer. He loved Jesus, but he wasn't just like me. And that kind of just <laughs> irritated me. <laughs> and I so, understand. yeah. And so I think there's a lot of us that think, well, if I just had that perfect marriage, then everything would be mm-hmm. easy. If my husband was just a believer, then everything mm-hmm. would be easy. But the reality is, uh, it's kind of like Gary Thomas says in his book, Sacred Marriage. What if God intended marriage not to make us happy, but to make us holy? Mm, that's good. It's good. And I know that that's exactly, and, and God really, he just dealt with me and he said, Joanna, get your hands off my man. Stop praying, Lord, change him and start praying, Lord, change me. And you know, I really thought he was the issue. <laughs> mm. And it turned out that there was just a heart thing that God wanted to do in me. And I just feel so strongly that I need to share with someone out there, listen, it's not your situation that is the issue. It's whether or not you're letting God get your hand, his hands on you in mm. the middle of it. That's so good. What did God work in you in that painful in-between time? Oh, goodness, so much. Faith. That was the biggest thing I can mm. think of. Is, um, I, I really have a tangible uh, picture of having faith, which is believing in what you can't yet see. Yeah. And I could not even, it, it was almost, 
how do I say this? It was a leap of faith itself to even consider a prayer of asking God to make Ari a believer. I, I couldn't even pray that because it just right. felt like that's like asking God to turn elephants pink. Like I cannot, <laughs> right. I just, sorry, it's not going to happen. Why pray it? Right. Mm. Um, and in that time I learned that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing ever, yeah. ever period. End of story. Um, it is, it is really, um, amazing to see in that particular situation and in many situations that have followed just in our family, how he draws us to himself and he puts us in some situations solely so that we will seek him. And you're right. I, it's not that I needed to seek a godly marriage. Even he didn't want that. What he wanted first was he wanted me to seek him. Yeah. Um, and everything else uh, follows based on his will. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing is he gave me a tangible reminder in our history of what it really looks like to have faith in something and to to take the risk to believe that something may be possible to even pray it. Yeah. Wow. That is so beautiful. You know, as I was listening to your story, I thought of First Peter's 3, 1, where um, Peter writes these words that are really kind of hard for us to, to, to like accept. He says, wives in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. And, and as you read that in context, context, there's a whole lot of submission that every one of us are called to, but now it comes time to read our mail as wives. And I find it interesting that it doesn't say wives in the same way, submit to your yourselves to your own husbands. If they are really godly, if they do everything (laughs) absolutely perfect, if you can totally respect them and follow them as the spiritual, it doesn't say any of that. Right. In fact, it says, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And that is that can be so hard because we want so much for them to come to faith. And how did you see, I'm sure like you were kind of forced into a place where you couldn't say a lot. You really, you really couldn't say a whole lot. So how to let the Lord love him through you. Mm. Was that, Mm. was there something about that, that God did in you? Absolutely. I read that first Peter verse over and over, (laughs) over and over and over. Um, And again, the word of God is powerful and our brains like to get distracted and they like to think in logical terms. And so uh, I would just say, read, whether it's that passage or any promise in scripture that reminds you of his power to get through those times where, um, I mean, for me, it felt at some points like a very mild, and I I can't even use this word, but there's no other word for it, like persecution in some ways. Mm, Um, Certainly wasn't violent. And again, I, I really don't mean to use that word because certainly a lot of people face real persecution and being in jail for their faith. Um, but for me, it's like being um, caged uh, in faith is what it felt like in those early years of, I can't talk to anybody about this. I can't even have my Bible out on a shelf, uh, mm. invisible, without causing problems or causing arguments or tension. Um, the mere mention of, hey, I'm going to go to the church by myself, just threw us out of the roof with an argument. Mm. And so, yes, there was a, it's a tricky balance of fighting for faith, yeah, fighting for time with him. Um, and again, whether it is using fringe hours and a drive to work or whatever it may be, um, and also being clear, like I certainly in retrospect, don't believe in hiding things. Right. I do, again, know that scripture tells us to tread carefully and, um, you know, try to conform to the people around us as best we can within scriptural boundaries um, in order to win hearts and win souls. And so um, 
yeah, it was hard. <laughs> it was really hard. Oh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. But I, I will also say that when you're in a situation like that, whatever it may be, uh, maybe you have a roommate who um, doesn't believe or you're in a school where it's not a faith-filled setting and you're just constantly around um, non-believers who may be you know, doing things that are not based on the Bible or whatever it may be. In those situations, it actually calls you to a deeper faith. Because I do think we can become, and I certainly have experienced this, complacent when you're in an open and free atmosphere right. all the time. And you can play Michael W. Smith 24-7. Like, <laughs> it's very um, easy to become complacent in your passion for the Lord and in your gratitude for having a Bible. Um, so there are gifts and there's sweetness in those circumstances also. Mm, I love that you point that out because I, I think that we can get so fixated on resentment that we're being shut yeah. down, uh, you know, and yet, like you say, I mean, most, a lot of the world doesn't have the freedom that we have. And so how do we live these Christian lives? Like Paul's, you know, when they were told, you can't preach anymore, you need to stop. And they're like, how can we, you know, how can yeah. we do this? And yeah. so we live in this, I think all of us live in this tension, you know, like you mentioned at the job and we're not allowed, but how do we live out our faith? in a way that is winsome and lovely and life bringing rather than, rather than this, look at me, I'm so holy. Exactly, <laughs> I mean, exactly. I, I'm sure that that had to be part of it. I think I know one of my friends um, that sometimes the light in her really offends the darkness in him. And, yeah. <laughs> and so she's really just had to pray, Lord, change my heart so that it is the sweetness of Christ and not my flesh that just wants to return evil for evil and insult mm -hmm. for insult. And, you know, I think we always want to escape trial, but you are so true. It is the testing of our faith. It is even yeah. those places of persecution that if we can receive them with a different mindset, we can actually grow. It's it's such a paradox. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think too, it's like parenting that uh, I also think it's important to show our weakness. And I remember thinking about that a lot. I knew that I'm not going to be perfect around him and I'm going to mess up and I'm going to yell back and I'm going to, you know, just not be perfect. And I recognize in that season what a gift it is to be vulnerable in those moments and say, oh, you know what? I'm so sorry I yelled at you. Mm. I, I really shouldn't do that. And uh, I apologize for doing that. Humility. Oh, humility. Oh, yes. It is painful. <laughs> but um, I, I really believe that there's, there's very few actions a person can take that show faith more than humility. Amen. And there are times when I see someone or interact with anybody just out in the world and, and they're humble about something or they say sorry for something or whatever it is. And I wonder, where does that come from? Mm. And so I think it's the same in this case that um, you're right. You do not have to be a perfect wife to make your husband believe. First of all, right. you're not going to make your husband believe. That is all in God's hands. But you can be obedient and be a reflection of Christ by spending as much time with him as humanly possible. It is yeah. unmistakable when you meet someone who has the, has the scripture says, the aroma of Christ has yeah. this air about them of, oh, they have spent some time either on a nice mm -hmm. beach somewhere or <laughs> I don't know where, where they have been, right? And, and to me, it, if you think about people you've met in your lives, um, it is typically people who are in a season of challenge or have been through a season of challenge that there is a seasoning on their words. There is a yeah. uh, like a groundedness. And truly, that's how I came to faith. My grandfather was like that. He had mm -hmm. no real accolades or you know, a resume or anything flashy to his life. But what he did have was humility and he had a peace about him, a joy amidst crazy circumstances. Um, so I think about those things and I think to myself, what's really going to help my children to see Jesus? What's really going to help my husband to continue to be encouraged? Humility, 
and me spending time with the Lord. Mm. Oh my goodness. You know, as I'm sitting here thinking of several of the women in my life that have lived with unbelieving husbands Mm. and some of them have come to faith. Some of them still haven't, but I think you have nailed something important. There is a humility about their lives that is so beautiful. And it's so funny. I think we think that Christ likeness will come (laughs) by getting our way and having life be easy. And it's actually the opposite. And as as that first Peter 3 continues to go on and talks talks about making yourself beautiful, you know, that it's not these outer of gar- garments and hairstyles or jewelry, but verse 4 says rather it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. And, you know, when I did a study of that, you know, because I am, there's not a whole lot gentle about me or quiet. (laughs) I'm going to say the same thing (laughs) about me. (laughs) But, you know, I heard a teaching once that links it to another part of this passage. and, And he said, a gentle and quiet spirit is a spirit that is free of fear. Oh, that's good. Free of fear. And it goes along with um, verse 6, who sa- talks about Sarah, um, that who submitted to her husband and called him Lord. Oh, don't we hate that part? And then yes. it says these words, <laughs> you are her daughters if you, number one, do what is right. And number two, do not give way to fear. And I think fear is the thing that if we let it, fear will drive us. Fear will torment us. Fear will turn us into people we really don't want to be. Yeah, isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah. And so how did you fight fear during that time? Well, I can't say I did this perfectly, but if I look back, if I were to like give myself advice, I I know that I had a big picture mindset. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it, the whole thing felt so impossible to me that I really had no choice but to have a big picture mindset. I knew that, or at least I thought I knew that it was not going to happen in the next five years. It happened faster than I thought it would even, but my timeline was so long in my head. I was like, if this ever happens, it'll be 20 years from now, but you know Mm. what, what am I going to do? Am I going to be in this marriage and commit to that 20 year picture or am I going to not? And I was committed to it. Praise the Lord. And well, there are times when I doubted it, but I really did feel like God was with me on that. Like he never let me waver on that. He certainly made me feel like I really want to go stay in a hotel tonight because I cannot be around you. Or there are moments of weakness and moments I just felt like, ah, you're making me crazy. But deep down, I knew that, um, that, that I had to take a long view. And, you know, our lives may seem very long, the 80 or so years on average that we get. And those are wonderfully um, long days, you know, Lord willing, whatever we get. Uh, But in God's economy, it's really short. Yeah. And I, I say that because my own father didn't come to faith until he was 77 years old. And would I have been willing to wait until Ari was 77 to have him come to faith? 1000% yes. Uh, and I think we have to ask ourselves that question, like, do some what ifs. And again, it's a risk. It feels like an emotional and spiritual risk to even ask the what if questions. But what if you don't? What if you just stay stuck? Or what if you say, I'm just going to leave this marriage? Um, the beautiful possibilities ahead are generally connected to the big picture. And I think that really helped me to get through the fear and mm. make me feel like, well, this is just for now and I'm going to do my best for now and focus on what God can do over time. I love that. I really think that that is such a key is that that we renew our commitment to this marriage no matter mm-hmm. what. Yes. You know, and I know in my own journey, I really had to get to that place where The Lord was just like, Joanna, whether he changes or not, are you committed to him and are you committed to me? And if our commitment is based on an outcome, we will waver. We Mm. won't be able to love. We will actually withhold love until that person 
changes. And the Lord was, at least in my story, man, he was not having any of it. He was, he was (laughs) like, Joanna, this is about you and me. You don't trust John because you don't trust me. And Mm. that has really helped me to understand even whether our husbands are believers or not, when we're called to submit to our husbands, I love that scripture adds these words, submit to your husband as to the Lord. And, and I was just kind of inserting myself between John and God and trying to tell him everything he needed to be. And so it came through condemnation. It was, even though it might've been true, it didn't come in the loving voice of his father. And Mm. I really think, I really, really, really believe that God wouldn't allow John to be what I wanted him to be because I had to get out of that place, you know, that, that personal Holy Spirit, you know, position that we put in. And I just had to say, Lord, this is between you and him. And my walk with you is between you and me. And as I began to do that, and, but I have to say, you know, I had shut down so much. My heart had just kind of grown cold and hard. I was, divorce was never an option. I, I do appreciate Ruth Bell Graham says this to Billy Graham. He goes, she said, divorce was never an option. Murder? Maybe. <laughs> I, you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful I didn't get to that place. But I really had to come back to, no, I am committed to this marriage. And, you know, but at the same time, you know, I think there's some of us that are just, we were resigned to an unhappy marriage. Or, or I've met a lot of women who go, God doesn't want me to be miserable. And I always mm. say, no, he doesn't. But that doesn't mean he wants you to marry, leave your marriage. Right, God right. can do so much with like you just have said over and over, with everything that seems impossible, God can do so much. But kind of back to my story, I I really had to ask the Lord to give me a new love because mm-hmm. my love was cold and dead. I mean, John would say things like, honey, I love you more than I've ever loved you before. And all I could say was, I'm glad. I couldn't even mm. say I love you back. Yeah, I had yeah. so shut down with dis- wow. disappointment and expectations. And so as God began to say, Joanna, get your hands off my man and let me get mm-hmm. my hands on you. I really had to say, Lord, please breathe on this cold heart, this smoldering wick. And I had to make some motions to reconnect with my husband. How how has that been for you, rekindling love? That is such a great question. That has probably been the thing that has taken us the longest. And I would say an entire 13 years out of the 14 years of our marriage. Um, and that is because there was so much pain and really sin does separate you. And it, it causes an emotional um, disconnection in a lot of ways. And uh, so how, uh, by God's, grace. And I mean that in the full weight of what that means. Um, and also through wise and loving guidance from friends in our church and just even the, the, not even like counseling with them, but just asking them questions and reaching out to them when we have an argument. Or, um, I remember in the early years of him being a believer, it was, we had, we still had lots of arguments. Um, and the, the one thing though, that always glued us together and continues to glue us together today is praying together. Hmm. And every night it is an anchor in our lives. If I were to tell you the one thing that I I cannot live without is that is praying with Ari at night. We get in bed, last thing of the day, lights are off. We grab each other's hands and we pray. And it, it takes sometimes two minutes, sometimes 10, whatever. It's very short, but just coming together in the presence of our Holy Father and just very simply, sometimes we're dead tired and we say, God, thank you so much for this day. Please help me to get some sleep. Amen. Um, but there's something about that connection that has helped us to emotionally glue back together. And um, hearing someone's prayers too is such yeah. an amazing window into their head and their heart and their emotions and their well being, just the tone in their voice. So there are so many subtle nuances in praying together that have 
just really helped us a lot. And then of course, you know, there are great books out there. I can't say we've solely relied on those, but we read, you know, Gary Chapman, five love languages and Francis Chan and several other books over the years. It's not a consistent thing for us. Um, but even just reading any book together, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we've read some finance books together, or whatever. Um, those things at least give you a point of conversation. And as simple as conversation may seem, um, conversation and words tend to bridge you together, even in intimacy and marriage. And um, those things have been really helpful for us. Mm, that's so good. So good. I know looking back, for me, um, it's so weird. It was, but I literally had to force myself to reach out and touch John. I mean, mm. I can't even believe that I was that cold and hard because we didn't have yeah. any big yeah. sin problems. It was just, he, I was disappointed. I, I felt let down. And, um, I'm just ashamed because I'm yeah. so blessed with the most amazing husband. But that's the thing I think we need to understand is that, you know, where the, when God says the two shall become one and let no man divide, you know, that, mm -hmm. that God loves marriage. Doesn't it make sense that the enemy of our soul would do everything possible to totally. build yeah. a wedge and cause division in our hearts? And I just would say to those, those of you out there listening, oh, please, please, please. Give God access to your pain. Hammer out forgiveness. Choose to start praying, Lord, change me rather than change him or change her. And just, just begin to believe. And I just think about your story. Like you didn't even have the faith for it. <laughs> yeah. No, but I didn't. You gave God the room for yeah. it. And and I I really don't believe the Lord wants to leave you this way, where you're stuck, where you feel dead and cold inside, where you're angry and hurt and bitter. He does not want you to stay there. Yep. He wants to do something in the middle of your pain. And I just remember literally having to reach out and just physically reconnect, just a touch mm. on the shoulder. Another thing yeah. was I began to speak blessings over my husband and appreciation yeah. and saying, oh, you guys, isn't daddy a wonderful daddy? He takes such good care of us. And I, I began, I began to cooperate with grace because mm. I couldn't do it. But as the Lord began to deal with me, and I really, I want to echo repentance and when my attitude was wrong, owning it rather than blaming him for it mm -hmm. and, and that humility and, and then thank God for a husband that didn't give up on me, you know? Yes. Amen to that. It's amen. grace on all sides, yeah. isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I do. I do know I had to forgive John, whether it was legitimate or not, I had I had to release him from my judgment and give him to God, but also receive him as a gift, mm. as a mm. gift from the Lord, not a liability. And I just feel this so strongly. There, One of the lies of the enemy is that, oh, I made a mistake. I never should have married this man. No, I'm telling you, the moment you said I do, he became God's will for your life. Mm. And he wants to, whether whether it was, I know there's some shaky foundations out there. I know that there were some wrong decisions. I know there may be sin that has checkered your marriage, but God can make all things new and he can use your situation and even that messy story for his glory. And I just want to thank you, Laura, for letting God do that in you. Well, thank you for allowing me to share his story. I'm very grateful. Ah. Oh. So awesome. Well, you know, just, just kind of circle back. We're coming to the end of the year and I, I don't want to miss a chance just to have you share a little bit about the power sheets because, you know, a happy marriage, a strong marriage doesn't just happen. It just doesn't happen. And we have to, uh, you know, both John and I realized we have to invest in this. We've got to, we've got to invest in this marriage. And I love the power sheets uh, format because you give us a, a way to just kind of pare down to the essentials and find out 
what those priorities should be. Can you just talk about it and maybe how how that has helped you in the healing of your marriage? Yes, um, most definitely. I think the biggest thing is uh, we are creatures who can forget what matters. Um, We are creatures who, like we talked about, easily lose hope. That's why God gave us the Bible to give us so many stories of hope that we can latch on to. Um, there are so many things that try to vie for our attention and our time, and especially in marriage that try to distract us from the life-giving, um, hope in marriage. Uh, and for me, I, especially, I feel like I have been definitely very distractible in my life and, um, I need a way to remember pretty consistently what small actions on a daily or weekly or monthly or basis um, monthly basis, I need to be doing in order to move towards the big picture that we talked about vision for um, my life and for what truly matters in the end and to not lose sight of those things. And so that's where I created Power Sheets Intentional Goal Planner. And that is um, a system designed to help you take small steps towards the things that really matter. And I think for my marriage, <laughs> I was just telling a friend yesterday, um, I, I, we were talking about, um, what our husbands want for us. And we often, <laughs> both of us, we felt like when we go to our husbands, they're going to say, um, I, well, I'd really like you to listen more to me talk about my work, or, uh, I'd really like for you to, you know, make me a nicer dinner and I, whatever it may be. But the thing they both said was, well, I mostly just want you to be happy. Hmm. Um, I'd mostly just want you to have no stress in your life. Wow. Um, And isn't that amazing? And I think that that is probably true for almost every relationship. I certainly want that for my husband too. And I want that for my friends and I want that for my parents and um, really anybody I know is I just want them to be happy. I want you to feel whole and fulfilled in the Lord. And so that is to me, one thing the power sheets have certainly helped me do. And that is to um, work on the things that I believe God has called me to work on and take small steps towards that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I discovered you last year and Power Sheets, and I love the community that you've built. And you guys, be sure to go to cultivatewhatmatters.com and look at the material. You've got wonderful training videos that really helped me. Uh, The prep pages in Power Sheets were so powerful because I think as women, we can get so overwhelmed by all the responsibilities that we have and just yeah. the life itself that in the busyness of life, the things that really matter do get lost and we end up waking up, you know, and it's and it's the end of the year and the things that we had hoped for are not there, haven't yet really taken shape. And so I've also loved just the grace that's all over it and how <laughs> you bring the Lord in there. You know, I am not, I'm not a good priority girl. I, you know, I, <laughs> I don't think any up. of us are. Yep. <laughs> so it, but it's been so good to like, even be free I think this was revolutionary for me to be free, not to make everything a priority because I have so many shoulds, like I should do this and I should be this and all this. And to really before the Lord, do those prep sheets and Mm. just kind of discern, Lord, what is this year? And even, I love how you break it down. What does these next three months, this quarter, what are my main things? And so I'm not feeling like I have to do everything, but I'm able to give intentional focus, Mm. intentional Mm -hmm. energy to those things. And so really powerful stuff. Can you, any other places we should check out? You said it, cultivatewhatmatters.com. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. And be sure to check out Laura's podcast as well. So much good stuff. I just, I, I'm just so grateful. (laughs) Can I, this is probably terrible to say, but I'm so grateful that God brought you to the end of yourself so Mm. that you found him so that you could fall in love with him, so that he could heal your marriage, so that he could create something beautiful out of your brokenness to share with the world. I receive that with such gratitude. And I echo those exact same thoughts and praise him. Um, I'm so grateful as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's just amazing. And I think 
I just remember as different times in my life feeling like all I had was broken pieces. Yeah. And just say, okay, God, here they are. If you can make something beautiful out of them, please do. Please do. And he's been so faithful. Mm-hmm. Would you would you pray for our girls out there, those marriages out there? I would love to. I would love to. Uh, Lord, you are powerful. And it is humbling to even be able to talk to you. And Lord, um, you are the same God that has worked so many miracles in my life. Uh, And I ask for you to pour out your spirit on all of the women listening right now and maybe some men. (laughs) Um, I just ask that you heal marriages and most of all, heal hearts and draw each person listening to you number one, and give us hope, give us faith um, in the places where we don't have faith, where we don't believe, Lord. Um, we, we are so thankful for you. And in the times when we feel weary, um, I pray that unexpected delight would come mm-hmm. um, the way of all of um, those that are listening. And I just praise you so much, Lord. Thank you so much that we get to speak about you and to you and I thank you so much for your word and for the power in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thank you so much, my friend. I just, I can't wait to see what God's going to do through this episode. Oh, well, I am very grateful. Thank you for all you do to encourage women. God bless you, my friend. Oh, sweet friend, I don't know what condition your marriage is currently in, but I do know that God wants to bring healing and life to every part. We just have to open our hearts to His work. Hey, listen, don't worry about what your spouse does or doesn't do, whether or not they're committed to something new. Just let God get His hands on you. I can tell you from experience that God is more than able to revive your love, your marriage, your life together. John and I are more in love today than we've ever been. But you know what? It could have taken a completely different direction had we not been open to God's work in our hearts as well as our marriage. If you'd like to hear more of our story, you can find uh, my interview with John in episode 027, along with just how we balance life and ministry, marriage and ministry, family and ministry. And hey, if you'd like to get a handle on just the practical side of life, maybe you need a little organization help, you be sure to check out the power sheets at cultivatewhatmatters.com. Boy, they really, really helped me just kind of prioritize the things in my life and, and focus where I wanted to work and what God wanted to do as I partnered with Him. And I think they can help you as well so that we live and love. And you know what I'm going to say, lead like Jesus. Have a wonderful day.